You know, when I was thinking about the uh, do you know him, but the thought in the do you know him is, is twin, isn't it? It's a question that we ask those who, who have yet to come to faith, and it's a question that we ask of ourselves. And I've been struck this week, I've been, I've been meeting one or two guys around the area where we live up in Threshfield, and, and I've been thinking, you know, this is a question that I need to be asking Richard. Do you know him? Because the way he was talking and some of the stuff he was coming out with, oh, you need to know Jesus. And as you listen to what God's got for us this morning, maybe it's something that will chime with you. I trust it will. But maybe you're, you're thinking, this is something I want to pray for, for someone else. <laughs> Sound. <laughs> this might be something for for someone else that you, you want to say, yeah, I want Paula, I want Richard to, to know Jesus. And uh, what I'm hearing this morning, I, I, want to, I want to share some of that with, with them. So it's, do you know him? And um, we're going to be looking at I am the vine. So this is John 15. I'm just going to read a few verses. John 15, Jesus says this, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. You remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid out his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. I am the vine. 
And Jesus is speaking about the good life. And I don't know what you think is the good life. There was a, I don't think I've often quoted a Greek philosopher. The guy called Aristotle, who said the highest goal of human life is the good life or human flourishing. And we can speak of the word flourishing, success, flourishing, fullness is the heart of this particular I am of Jesus. Flourishing. And he uses the metaphor of the vine. And I don't know what fruit is abundant in your allotment. Anybody got an allotment? No one's got an allotment. I'll right, swear in the back, aren't there? Great vegetable bed in the garden. Right? Well, it's, it's part of the good, yes. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, that's on the fringe of the good life. What's, uh, what, what's abundant in the vegetable patch at the moment? Well, I just harvested a load of mulch too. Mulch too? Right, more stupid, right? Strawberries and raspberries, I think. Strawberries. You know, you, you, you look into your allotments, your vegetable patches, and you see flourishing and abundance. Rhubarb is, is, is the best that we've got. It just keep, keeps going. But that idea of abundance is at the heart of what Jesus is talking about here. And he uses, say, the vine as an example. Can I have the next slide, Paul, please? And... You, you see these I am's of Jesus and they're like linked with, with Jewish history. And in the history of the people of God, the vine was a symbol that God used to speak about how he wanted them to be. He wanted them to be an abundant people who knew him, knew his life and flourished and knew that sense of an enrichment in the way that life was for them. But like with... Lots of examples may be looking back and maybe we can identify with it in our lives too. God's got a purpose, but somehow we can mess it up. And, and he says this in Jeremiah. I have planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? And there's other examples in the Old Testament too of where he says to the people, you, you were a vine, but you went your own way. And because of that, there's a need for Jesus to come. And he speaks of himself as the true vine. What God has intended for fruitfulness became a disappointment to him and an object of judgment. Thanks, Paul. So Jesus comes and he speaks about being the true vine. That through Jesus, human flourishing will be possible and it will be lasting too. But it's interesting when you look at John 15 as to where it comes in the story, in the gospel. Because if you know your John's gospel, you'll know that John 15 is preceded by John 13 and John 14 and followed by John 16. Maybe you just need to know sums to be able to sort of hack that one. But if you think about that, that stretch of chapters, and then John 17 as well, and Jesus is preparing his disciples for very challenging times. 
He's talking to them in the upper room and he's, and he's saying things like, you know, I'm going to be leaving you. I mean, how shattering that would have been to the disciples. And not only that he was leaving, he actually said to them, it's good that I go away. It's good for you that I leave. But there was going to be a really big change for them and big challenges coming up. And there's going to be challenges that they're going to be the ones that are going to carry on what he started. I mean, how daunting that would be, you know, when the teacher is saying to the pupils, right, you're on your own now. I don't know whether you remember when you learned to drive, some of you, what it was like when you were first driving solo, as it were, without the driving instructor or without somebody alongside you, without those dual pedals. You know, it used to be great, didn't it? You had somebody with dual controls that you knew you messed up. You drove them on that Aye, well, it could be scary. First time you're in a car on your own, how scary it could be. Well, the disciples, we're going to have that time we're going to be left to carry on the work. And Jesus is telling them this stuff in the midst of these challenging times. And he also goes on to say to them, he says, you're going to face opposition and persecution. You're going to be thrown out of the synagogue. Stuff are really, stuff's going to happen. And people are going to be really on your case. And I'm the vine. You know, we can, we can sing our songs around this theme of I'm the vine. It can be very tranquil. This idea, you know, let's, let's let, let the grapes grow. You know, it's got that kind of feel. But this word is to those who are facing challenging times. But the challenging times were going to be fruitful times if they follow what he's sharing with them if they follow what he's teaching if they if they if they follow what he's showing them if they depend on him keep focused rest secured in him grow to know the love of and for him being their motivation and what sustains them if they draw on the life of the vine even though it's challenging, it'll be fruitful. And if you think of some of the stuff that you're going through at the moment, and I think of some of the stuff that different parts of my family are going through at the moment, it's when you go through the tough stuff that you prove the truth of, of what God has given you. And it, and, it, and it proves, once again, who he is. And, and Jesus said in this passage, didn't he? He said, if you abide in me and you bear fruit, you'll bring glory to my Father because you'll demonstrate you're my disciples. You'll demonstrate that what I've been putting into you is actually flourishing, even in the difficult times. Paul, thank you. But he speaks about fruit and what God does in our life produces fruit. And it can take time, but fruit will come. These are some verses from Philippians, where Paul writes to a church in Philippi. And he speaks about the gospel bearing fruit by changing lives. You look at your life, and okay, there might be stuff still to happen and still to change like there is in my life. 
But you look in your life and you see how God has changed your life. The gospel's changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Fruit's coming. Fruit's there and fruit will continue. And Jesus speaks about, about the fruit of the vine being fruit that will last. You know, that can be a little... It can be an encouragement to us, can't it? That if we're going through a rocky period or a difficult time, we think, are we, are we really going to hack it? Are we really going to last? Because we feel under pressure sometimes in our faith. We know our, our own failings, the times that we, we get it wrong. But Jesus said, I see fruit. And that fruit's going to last. And it's going to be fruit of things like answered prayer. I'm not, I'm not saying about every prayer that you've, you've ever prayed has been answered. Roy was sharing with me a little quote from a Smith Wigglesworth book. What a tremendous man of God he was and the, and the power of prayer that he knew. We're not talking about a prayer life like Smith Wigglesworth, or it might, but it might be. But if there's answers to prayer in your experience with God, it's an evidence of fruit. If you see a loving community like we see here, the loving community you have here is an evidence of the fruit. And there's things that are happening here amongst you that will last and endure. If you look at the way that you impact through your workplace and through your communities, through your godly living, again, Jesus re refers to that in this passage. Fruit that will last. God works in our lives. God is at work within us. Both to will and to do of his pleasure. It doesn't depend on us so much on his power and his life within us. Go to the next slide please. Let's say what works within us will last. Some things don't last. The wonder of Woolworths. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> but the question is what's your legacy and there is a legacy from your fruitful flourishing life that's, that's a picture of me with, with my first grandson because I've got two now but, and I look a dead spit at my dad and, um, and my dad was just a, a mill worker from North East Lancashire and yet when he, when he died and they had his funeral. The guy who, who, who did his funeral was someone that used to be in his Sunday school class who went to a Methodist church, did my dad, in, in Bacup. And, uh, and, and what was said of my father was that he lived the Sermon on the Mount. Now, I don't know what greater legacy you could leave. The fruitfulness that came in a, in a simple, humble way. There's no great monument to him. But that was his legacy. Fruit that will last. The fruit in our lives as we, saw, as we seek to follow Jesus will outlive our lives. But with fruit, next. Thank you, Paul. We are pruning. 
Now, I thought I could have brought some props in for this because I've got some great big loppers as well. But pruning. Pruning. That's all part of flourishing, isn't it? You can't just let your bush go and go. You need to prune. Cut things back a little bit. So the good news of, of fruit also goes alongside the need of pruning. And, and you know what you do when you've got a sermon to preach and stuff, you, you start to you read around a bit. And I, I read a bit about pruning. I never knew this. That there's four types of pruning. Now as, as you hear these, I was reading these, I thought, oh yeah, I can see some like sort of parallels maybe in the way God deals with us. In that pruning, you can be removing of tips of various shoots, just trim vigorous shoots that are flying off, taking strength, cutting back growing shoots to prevent them being snapped by the wind. You know, cut your back so you're not so you're strong enough to, to take it when, when the wind comes. Removal of sunflowers and grapes to produce better quality. And then removal of suckers low to the ground so that strength wasn't drained. There's pruning sometimes so our strength isn't drained. Jesus said, every branch that does bear fruit, and we've been encouraged to think about the fruit that's already in our lives, every branch that does bear fruit, he, God the Father, prunes so that it will bear more fruit. God's at work in our lives so that we will become even more fruitful. We can be so excited at the first signs of, of fruit, but God's not satisfied just with the small signs of fruit. He wants abundance because abundant fruit is going to glorify the sun. As well as extend the kingdom, it's going to glorify the son and that gladdens the father's heart. If you're a father and you see your son and your, or your daughter just, just growing and flourishing, it thrills your heart when you see, and when God the father sees the son being given honour. And that's what happens through our, our fruitfulness. So the pruning's taking place so more fruit can, can grow. In our prayer life, God wants to challenge us. To grow in our prayer life, to know more fruit in the, in the way we live, to know more fruit in the love between us. Fruit is there, but we want more. And how he prunes and when he prunes is up to him, but he does it. And sometimes we recognise when he's pruning us and sometimes we don't. But the gardener, God the Father, is there rubbing the corners off, challenging us. So that we become more and more like the sun. He gently draws us. He softens us. He confronts us with our weaknesses and our hypocrisy at times. He brings us to a place where we see what's been sucking the life out of us. And he says, I don't want that anymore. I'm taking that away because I want better fruit. When we have the pruning, it throws us more and more to rely on the vine, the need to abide, to remain more and more dependent on him. But pruning is there. 
and it's and it's not pleasant when it comes sometimes but we know the purpose is out of a loving heart of the father wanting more fruit to grow in Isaiah 42 it says this about the heart of the father it says he will not break a broken branch or put out a little fire he's not going to quench any semblance of life he's going to encourage it he's going to encourage us to be more and more fruitful and then the next slide one of those again key verses in the in the passage where Jesus says without me you can do nothing all that we're hoping for all that we're hoping to grow into without me Jesus says you can do nothing now I wrote down here I said strictly that's not true now I felt a bit sort of rough there contradicting Jesus but I put strictly not true we can do loads we can run ourselves ragged can't we but the question is will it lead to fruit <laughs> will it lead to fruit lasting fruit and sometimes I've been down on my knees and it's not because I've suddenly got the burden of a prayer warrior. It's because I've worn myself out. Because I've been, I've been doing rather than drawing. And we need to draw on the life of the vine to produce the fruit. We can expend so much energy of every sort and achieve nothing that will last. And maybe it will be for a time, maybe for a time, it will look like it's producing something. But like Woolworths, it'll sooner or later only be nostalgia. So how, next slide Paul please, how do we abide or remain in the vine to draw the life so that the fruit will keep growing, will be lasting, bringing glory to the sun. And I think one of the first things to do is agree with Jesus. I, I know I said earlier I disagree by saying we can do loads. But let's agree with Jesus that without you we can do nothing. And this is something in the secret place. It's not something maybe, maybe here you can start an echo of that. But when you're having those one-on-ones with Jesus, wherever that happens for you, whether it be at home, whether you've got a, a chair somewhere, you go and sit in and that's where you, you know, have a particular time when you want to meet with God or whether you're out when you're out walking or in the veg patch or, or wherever it might be, wherever you have your one-on-one with Jesus, you tell him, without you I can do nothing. Without you I can do nothing. Accept and confess your absolute need of him. And you know the most dangerous time for feelings of self-sufficiency to grow is when things are going okay. Even dare I say in the work of God in the church, you know, when things have gone really well and you start to feel like I can do this on my own or we can do this on our own and you start to slip from that, that heart of saying, without you I can do nothing. We need to come back again to say to Jesus, without you I can do nothing. We come to you again. And, and the words of Jesus, you know, 
I think I might have said this last time I was here. You know, if we claim to love Jesus and don't love the Word, then we need to do a bit of a rain check. Let's love the Word. Let's, let's read it. Let's listen to it. There's loads of ways you can, you can engage with the Scripture. It doesn't, doesn't have to be just sitting down with a Bible in a corner and just sort of reading page after page. Loads of ways that we can get the Word of God into us. And the Word of God into us, and then we can pray it. And then we can feed ourselves on it. But then, Paul, next slide please. Let's grow in following the pattern of Jesus. And, and, and look at his relationship with the Father. And, and this struck me. They don't seek to build the kingdom. Don't let building the kingdom be your, be your motive. Seek to know the king. Seek to know the king. And that's not a recipe for inaction. That becomes the greatest driving passion you can have. Because if you know the king, you know the king's heart. And so you're about the king's business. So don't let the things of the kingdom become your goal. Let the king be your goal. And just as he said, I can do nothing by myself. The, the son only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. That, that relationship that was there between the son and the father, that's, that's the pattern that we follow. God shows as we make you our goal. As I said, not a recipe or excuse for inactivity, but a source of fruit bearing, motivated by love and sustained by love. The more closely we come to know God, the more we share his passion and are moved to action. Paul said this when he wrote to the church of Corinth. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. Is it compelled Christ? Drawing on his relationship with the Father. That's our pattern that we follow. <laughs> Penultimate slide, please. Next one, Paul. Thank you. <clears throat> this is, I think, from the message version of John 15. Let's, let's rest and remain in the love of God. Secure in being loved by him. So I loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. Now that's not saying God only loves you if you do what he says. That's what it's not saying. But it's saying you're at home in his love if you follow him. His love is, is a place where you feel comfortable, secure, because you, you're sharing his heart and do what he wants. And in that position, you find yourself drawing on a life that brings the fruit. Know yourself at home in the love of God. And the next slide, Paul. And it says, don't be a stranger. To the love of God. Relish being loved by God. 
You know, we were singing that song, I raise a hallelujah. And you can look at situations in your life, and in your work situation, your family situation, your community situation, and you can look at situations that seem really dire, and you can raise a hallelujah, you can praise the Lord in those situations. And one of the reasons you can do that is because you're loved by God. He's committed to you to the extent of the gift of the Son. And these words of the church in Ephesus that encouraged us to, to let our roots go down into that knowledge of the love of God so that in every circumstance we look at every situation we can raise a hallelujah because God is loving us even in that. Don't be a stranger to the love of God. Let it be your goal, your inspiration, your, your default attitude and action to react like Jesus. Might it be your passion, my passion, to react like Jesus. When something goes pear-shaped, we react like Jesus. When we find ourselves being irritated, we default to love and to think the best. Because that's where he would do that. And what fruit comes out of that that glorifies the Father? As we rest secure in the love of God and draw on the love of God. And all of this is taking place as he speaks to the disciples in the midst of challenging times. So that, that this is the final slide now, thanks Paul. Where there's a question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him as the vine? Do you want others to know him as the vine? And I must really apologise because that wasn't the last slide. This is the last slide. <laughs> I ain't got preachers, oh, we've got another one. Which is simply that. Where Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Keep abiding in me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that your heart for us is abundance and flourishing. And you don't want anything to, to drag us down. But your heart is that we would know you in the midst of, of each situation that, that comes across our way. And we thank you that, that you love us and that we are secure in that love. And we thank you that whatever the outcome might be, your hand is upon us for good. And we pray that we will keep bearing fruit to the glory of your name. And we thank you for the privilege of, of being pruned by the Father. Because <laughs> you want more out of our lives. So bless you for what you've done so far within us, as individuals and as community. And thank you for what is still to come. As we seek to rest in you. The vine.
Thank you, Andy. Yeah.